You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. And welcome to another edition of the Bo's Nose Show. And I'm your host, Westland County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. And I am here today on the day before Thanksgiving. You don't have a guest host or a replay of a bunch of interviews or something like that, like uh, one of our local radio talk shows does around here. Uh, no, I'm here live talking to you on KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. And anytime you want to get in and talk on the show, you can just give us a call here at 646-721-9887 and just press 1 so we know you want to get in on the show. Again, at 646-721-9887, just press 1. And that lets Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, know you want to get in on the show. So it's the day before Thanksgiving, so we're going to talk a bit about Thanksgiving going to talk a little bit about the weather here in Oregon. Um, and I got a few other things to talk about. You know, my wife had quite the adventure yesterday up at uh, Portland International uh, with our car. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. But before I get to any of that, I just want to say happy birthday, Neil. Today is my big brother Neil's 67th, 66th birthday. Sorry. So happy birthday, Neil. And uh, hope you're having a good one. I'll probably be giving you a buzz right after the show to say that person. So tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and I like to do this show before Thanksgiving and talk a little bit about what I'm thankful for and ask everybody else to call in and tell me what you're thankful for at 646-721-9887. And, and one of the things I in my promo on Facebook and and I mentioned was I'm thankful I'm not homeless right now because what a week to be homeless. I mean, yesterday it was blowing a gale outside. So it would have been hell to try and keep a tarp or a tent over, you know, stable. And it was raining sideways for a while. I mean, at two o'clock in the afternoon here, it looked like it was, you know, dusk and just about to get dark. It was, it was heavy stuff here in Elmira at least. And then, of course, it got pretty cold late in the day where it was almost snowing, kind of got, got that, that, that slain sort of thing going, <laughs> sleety sort of snowy rain. Never quite got any snow on the valley floor, floor here, but still, you know, it was pretty blustery all last night. And then, you know, today it, it barely got out of the 30s, and tonight it's supposed to drop down close to 20, at least out here in Elmira. Um, and it's supposed to drop down into the 20s the next several nights. So wouldn't be a great time to be camping, even if you had top-of-the-line camping equipment. Um, you know, it would still be, you know, ice on the inside of the tent in the morning from your from the moisture from your breath and uh, not a whole lot of fun getting dressed, uh, you know, that, that – having to force yourself to unzip and get out of the sleeping bag would be crappy, you know, and, and even if you had the best thick thermo rest and all that stuff, you'd probably still end up cold during the night. Um, so happy. I'm not homeless this Thanksgiving. So I'm thankful for that. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting to, you know, a lot of people, there's been a lot of talk about homelessness. You know, we had, had uh, Stephen uh, Sheehan on the show uh, a couple weeks ago about the whole issue of lawlessness in downtown Eugene. So people have been talking about the homeless, but you, every once in a while, I just have to think. Anyone that thinks that, that, you know, 
everyone that's homeless chooses that lifestyle. Think about being homeless in Oregon on a week like this. And think about whether people really choose that or not. You know, some of them are in it for a lot of reasons, but whether they're by choice, you know, getting soaked, windblown, and then freezing their ass off, yeah, probably not a choice. Um, but there's another article that got passed around the, the interweb, as uh, Al Gore liked to call it, uh, <laughs> about homelessness that was talking about how homeless, there's a certain population of the homeless that don't want shelters. They don't want people to build shelters. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine passed that to me by email, and, and I wrote back and said, yeah, that's been a well-known, well-documented fact for a long time. And, and it's because, you know, a lot, and, and this is particularly true of our, our veterans that are homeless. Some of those guys that are suffering PTSD can't stand the commotion and noise of being in a group setting like a shelter. It just brings them right back into their severe trauma. Um, so the, one of the reasons they're homeless is they want to be by themselves. These are the guys that you'll find in a single tent tucked away back in some blackberries or way back in the woods somewhere. They might even be way up a forest road in one of our national forests. Um, not a very visible uh, part of our homeless population, but they're there. Um, and they don't really want shelters because shelters aggravate them and, and cause that stress. Uh, and it's not just our veterans that deal with this. Uh, victims of domestic violence quite often end up homeless, um, you know, because they have nowhere else to go. Um, and that's the way they escaped, you know, not having a physical address was a way to keep their abuser from tracking them down. Um, and then they end up kind of permanently into that situation. Um, those same folks that are victims of domestic violence quite often are, are also some of those people that will not accept shelter easily because they've been traumatized. And then a lot of homeless, once someone's homeless for various reasons, and this is particularly true of our, our youth homeless, become victims of other homeless people. There's a certain amount of homeless that are predators. Um, I think there's a recent story here in Oregon about somebody from Utah that was a sex offender that had entered our state without registering and was camping homeless and was found with an underage girl at his campsite. Um, you know, that that population exists in the homeless population, and quite a few homeless folks have been severely traumatized while they were homeless, whether it's a sexual assault or just a physical assault, um, you know, because it's kind of a um, law of the jungle on the streets out there. You know, whoever's the strongest has the best camping gear, has the best drugs, you know, has, has the best of everything because they can just take it because there's no one really to defend those folks sometimes. And, and some of those folks that have been serial victims of, of uh, assault and robbery and whatever else um, end up pretty gun shy of other people and, and entering a shelter situation with a bunch of other homeless folks which is part of the population that was victimizing them is not exactly um, what they want to do. Uh, so, you know, I, I wrote back and, and explained, you know, explained that briefly. And what was interesting is I got a response saying that, that I sounded like a snowflake because I recognize that. And I, and I don't think you have to be a snowflake to understand the psychology of some of the people that are homeless. Um, it's just, it, it's a, it's a, fact of what's going on in their head. Um, and it's something I think we really need to pay attention to in some ways, because those are some of the toughest people to reach and get help, unless you can find them a way to be housed in a situation that doesn't put them into that 
dormitory style setting. You know, that that's to them is just absolutely fearful. They ha they have to be in their own room, you know, with an ability to lock the door, uh, that sort of thing. Or they have to be in something familiar, which gets to um, one of the things I mentioned to the gentleman as we were trading emails back and forth was um, there is a um, group here in Lane County that has taken over what was a sheriff work camp out in the forest, out towards Alma, um, our old forest work camp, and it's the veterans legacy folks. And they're setting it up to, to have, you know, basically little cubes similar to enlisted men's um, uh, lodging at, a, at an army base. So it's a familiar setting you know, with a bed and a, uh, you know, a, a simple dresser, you know, that sort of thing, steamer trunk, little closet, um, and, and a little individual uh, kind of room uh, that's very military styled, and they're, they're going to serve veterans so that the folks there are going to seem familiar to the veterans. So those folks that are, you know, isolating themselves into homelessness because of their psychological damage from serving our country um, can enter into that sort of uh, facility where they're also going to get treatment help and, and uh, mentoring you know in a way that's comfortable to them versus you know and by recognizing their psychological condition where they won't go to a shelter to get help is part of helping that population. And, and you know, our veterans deserve our help. Um, one of the things I didn't quite get to talk about too much on the Bo's Nose show here in the last couple of weeks was Veterans Day because I had Steve Sheehan on uh, that week. So it was basically taken up on homeless issues rather than veterans issues. And I just want to, you know, say uh, one of the things I'm thankful for is our veterans. Um, and I really want to make sure our veterans are getting service here in our community and recognizing some of the issues that drive veterans into homelessness and what sometimes drives them not to seek shelter and help. Um, we need to recognize that. And I think Veterans Legacy has figured out a way to serve that population where they, you know, one also being isolated from town out in the country. Um, is going to be a really great setting for them to heal, uh, get well, and maybe re-enter society eventually. Um, so that, you know, anyone that wants to um, look them up, if you Google Veterans Legacy in uh, and, and Oregon, uh, it, if you put those three words in a Google search, I'm sure you'll find them. And they'd be happy to take contributions as they're trying to get up and running out there uh, in the old forest work camp. Um, I really look forward to the work they're going to do with veterans uh, over, over the future. But um, anyone that's, you know, from my Florence listening area probably already knows this, but there was an article in the Saïs Law News today about something I talked about way back, I think, in early September or late August on the Bose Nose show. And that was an issue that deals with the domestic violence victims, you know, side of what we we're just talking about, which is the Law Outreach Services um, nonprofit out there in Florence. And the problem they're having with a change in federal rules around serving victims of domestic violence and the requirement of the federal government to completely separate that service from any other service provision you do. Saisla Outreach Services is a great rural service provider here in Lane County. And they do uh, several things, but basically their services are around um, victims of domestic violence and then just providing basic needs services um, for some of the less fortunate in, in uh, the Florence area. What's really interesting is those two services work hand in hand with each other a lot of times. And um, 
are really useful to have in the same office and being done by the same people. Because the fact that the folks that are, you know, doing heating assistance and helping people find housing or, you know, supplying um, clothing out of their, um, their, their clothing closet, so to speak, to folks, they'll recognize through their domestic violence training, if one of the reasons those folks are in there getting help is they might be a victim of domestic violence and ask the right questions and maybe start them towards getting help on the domestic violence end of things. On the same side, people that come to them first purely on the domestic violence side need things like housing, toiletries, you know, all the basic needs that they're connected to providing with the other side of their their services. Well, the federal government's basically telling them that they have to completely separate those two sides of their service. And in fact, whoever supervises the domestic violence people can't be involved in supervising anybody else. So they're going to basically have to split the executive director's position in two and not have them, you know, work together. And it's just kind of silly, and it doesn't recognize the fact that a rural provider like Sayusai Outreach Services can't survive doing just one service because there's not enough uh, need for one part of their service out there to provide enough um, federal, state, and grant funding to, to keep a staff together and afford the administrative costs. You know, that works fine in Portland or Seattle or San Francisco to say, you know, if you're going to do domestic violence, it's the only thing you're allowed to do. And somebody else is going to have to do that other stuff, you know, in order to receive money from this, this federal uh, program. It doesn't recognize the reality of low population areas and rural areas. It's just one more thing that's driving that urban-rural divide in America is this failure to recognize the, you know, writing rules based on economy of scale of, an, of a large urban metro area. And it just amazes me that um, the federal government's doing this. And poor um, Bob Teeter there with Sayusai Outreach Services is struggling mightily to try and keep that agency afloat. In fact, I think they've got a need to raise about $25,000 of their local match um, to add some, they're going to have to add more people on staff to be able to divide the duties rather than having people doing both sides of the, of the, uh, the work. And uh, so they're kind of in a, rock in a hard place and trying to get that money raised in the next month or two. Um, so if you're not interested in veterans legacy, folks, if you're interested in, in helping a rural provider of domestic violence services and basic services, uh, Saisla Outreach Services, uh, if you Google that, it'll you know get you their web page and they take contributions too and are needing to get about 25,000. Excuse me while I wet the whistle there. Um, so that kind of goes through a couple issues there on homelessness and, and veterans and domestic violence. Of course, you know, back in August, I think I gave the what were they thinking to the federal bureaucrat that wrote that rule that created this problem for social outreach services. Um, so I don't think I'm going to give it to him again, but it just amazes me the unintended consequences of what the federal government does sometimes. And we also talked on this show about the problem that was caused by a new tax law around FEMA disaster relief that's causing our rural electric co-ops program problems in, in getting FEMA reimbursement for Snowmageddon last year. Um, so, you know, the federal government's causing problems for our rural domestic violence service providers. They're causing problems for our rural electric utilities. It's like, and then people wonder why there, there's this, this whole talk about an urban-rural divide. 
and particularly about how the federal government has lost touch with some of that. And, and they wonder why there's this um, such a disconnect when you see the, the voting results. Um, you know, if you do it by county, you know, the red and blue maps and how they're so just, um, you know, there's such a differential between rural America and urban America in, in the way uh, we've become very um, divided. So before I get on to more of what I'm thankful for, I'll remind folks you can call in any time if you want to talk a little bit about homelessness or um, domestic violence services or the federal government's lack of understanding of rural America, give us a call at 646-721-9887. Just press one if you want to get on the show. Also, if you've got something that you're thankful for and you want to call in and tell me what that is, give me a call. Again, 646-721-9887. Just press one so Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire, knows you want to get in on the show. This point, I got to talk a little bit about um, my wife's car adventures yesterday because I'm going to get to my what were they thinking out of this this story. So last year, my wife and I bought a new Ford Expedition, and it's got all the bells and whistles on it. And you, when you buy a, a newer car today, that um, you know, it is not the, you know, the, the economy based model. They almost all come now with this electronic um, key fobs rather than a key that you put in the ignition and turn. You, you have the key in your pocket, you get in the car, the car recognizes the key, you press the start button, the car starts, you put it, you put it in drive and drive away. Um, you know, it's, it's, Pretty cool because you never have to pull your keys in and out of your pocket or your purse. And it works, you know, has always worked for us for the last um, year and almost a year and a half that we've had this vehicle. But I was always a little bit scared because one of the things they told us was don't lose your key fobs because they cost about 500 bucks to replace. So I, it's always made me a little uptight. So Yesterday, my wife had to pick up a friend of ours that was coming to visit us for Thanksgiving at Portland International because she was flying up from San Diego. There's no direct flights into Eugene, blah, 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 Southwest, cheaper airfare, all that good stuff. Plus, they were going to stop at this one shop in Portland, do some shopping, and they needed to also stop in Albany on the way back and get to some other stuff together. Um, so it was a planned trip. She goes up. You know, and the flight's coming in pretty early in the morning because it's flying out of San Diego, West Coast only. So it's pretty pretty easy to get an early morning flight and end up here at, you know, with a decent amount of day left. And about, you know, she got there a little bit early, um, parked in the, um, the uh, cell phone lot there at Portland International Airport. And she had stopped at Dutch Bros and got a cup of coffee because she was early, turned the car off, you know, got out for a minute, got back in. Um, the, her friend gives her a call, says, I'm, I'm in, I got my bag. And she goes to start the car, and the car says, does not recognize key, you know, on the, in the dash when she presses the start button. And she tries a few times and she pulls the keys out of her purse and stuff like that, you know, to make sure it wasn't some problem there. Couldn't start the car, couldn't start the car, couldn't start the car. Um, and calls me in a panic. Um, and we, you know, I call Kendall Ford where we got the car. They didn't know what to do really. They, uh, we call uh, Ford Roadside Assistance and they say, well, we got somebody on the way to help you out. So, we're waiting for that to happen. Um, person shows up from Ford Roadside Assistance, looks at the thing, says the car says it doesn't recognize key, tells my wife, I can't help you, you're going to have to get towed. Okay. Um, they, they call for a tow, apparently. Um, he leaves, just leaves my wife there. Of course, now, at the second part of the story is my wife took one of the poodles with her. So she's got Mabel the poodle in the back. She's in, you know, waiting in the front. Or now, you know, first she had to wait quite a while for the first guy to show up to tell her that he couldn't do anything. 
and then um, waiting for a tow. Tow never shows, never shows, never shows. So I'm calling uh, the Ford roadside assistance people to ask where the tow is. They call the tow people. The tow people tell her, tell the person, you know, the operator that it's going to be 45 minutes more because they're just backed up, blah, blah, blah. This goes round and round till it stretches out to almost five and a half hours when I finally call the tow company. And fortunately this time, a female employee of the tow company answered the phone. It must have been the dispatcher or something like that. And I'm begging her to come do something for my wife, who's been now stuck in the car. Speaking of, here's Elizabeth. <laughs> stuck in the car for five and a half hours in the cell phone lot, which doesn't count the couple hours it took to drive to Portland. Now, she hasn't been able to walk away from the car because she keeps thinking there's going to be a tow truck there in a second. So you can imagine that she's getting a little frantic about the bathroom situation, let alone the dog. And um, I, I called the tow company directly because I got the name of the tow company from the Ford Roadside Assistance, the third one I talked to, um, and begged them. I said, I'd give you an extra $100 if you can get to my wife, you know, <laughs> in the next 15 minutes. Um and they're explaining to me how they only had four drivers today, and three of them were in Vancouver, and one was down in Tualatin. It was the one in Tualatin that was going to get to her next, and they had to bring, because they couldn't put the car in neutral, they were going to have to bring, um, uh, a, you know, one of those little, what they call skates, you know, one of those little dollies they put the car on in order to tow it when it's not, when you can't get it out of park. Um and all this, and, and it was going to be at least an, almost an hour before they get to her. And I'm, I'm just, you know, beside myself, you know, call, you know, calling forward again, explaining how unacceptable all this was. Well, the woman took pity on me and was so taken by how much concern I had for Elizabeth. She figured out a way to divert a driver um, over to my wife. And my wife calls and says, oh, the tow truck guy's here. Now, this is a non-Ford employee that shows up with Patriot Towing, who I have to say turned out to be the heroes of the day. Even though they kept delaying, kept delaying, I think half that's just, you know, how busy they are on, you know, with everybody traveling right before a holiday. And uh, the fact that probably their contract with Ford Roadside Assistance is not one of their highest priority contracts. Um, <laughs> But uh, the guy shows up, nice as can be, shows my wife how you can peel up a little panel that's at the bottom of the Ford uh, cup holder in the center console. And there's this slot that perfectly fits the key fob down into it. And when the key fob's down in that little slot, there's it it's either connected to the antenna or something like that directly, suddenly the car recognizes the key fob. And she can start it up and all that stuff. And, you know, it, in 30 seconds, this guy cured the problem, this non-Ford employee. Now my question is, and what were they thinking or going to Ford roadside assistance the folks at Kendall Ford that didn't know this, the folks at Northside Ford that wouldn't even answer the phone when I tried to call them, um, is why in the world did your telephone operator people not have some kind of menu they go through when somebody calls and, you know, the first thing they do is, at, you know, they, they recognize from your phone number, you give them that you're, you're driving a 2018 Ford Expedition XL, whatever it is, and they can even tell you what the VIN number is. Why they would not know if you told them it was giving you a does not recognize key that this slot existed underneath the damn cup holder. What were they thinking that that's not part of their customer service manual for these people? Turns out that this tow truck driver tells my wife that they tow people out of that particular cell phone lot all the time because there's some kind of radio frequency interference in that lot 
that screws with people's key fobs. And if people pull in there and turn their car off and do, go to turn it back on, there's a random chance that they're not going to be able to do it. Note to self, never turn your car off in the Portland cell phone lot. What amazes me, though, is that somehow or another this hasn't made local or national news that there's this vulnerability with all these keyless entry systems that are now in every new car in America just about. You know, where else are you going to show up where there's that some kind of radio interference and you're not going to be able to start your vehicle, not be able to figure it out? The folks on in the at the dealerships and the roadside assistants haven't been trained in this, so they don't know that there's a bypass slot in the car, and you get stuck. I wonder how many tows the towing companies around there have been been, you know, paid for. They shouldn't have had to been paid for. You know, somebody needs to fix that problem. I mean, this is a customer service issue. I talked to my the the service director at Kendall Ford today and told them about it. I asked them to talk to Ford about this and make sure that their roadside assistance people understand about that bypass slot, at least in the expeditions. Hopefully other models of Ford have something similar somewhere. But one of the things I asked for was I want a follow-up. I want you to email me back and tell me you've had this communication. Tell me there's going to be a change. And secondary to that, it'd be a really great idea if Ford wrote my wife an apology letter. Because you basically wasted six hours of her day, six hours of my day, and six hours of our guest day, you know, trying to get this problem fixed. Yeah. So, you know, note to self, be careful about, you know, places that have high radio traffic, like airports um, and key fobs. Maybe you, you know, next, if you have one of these cars that has a key fob and not a real key, you know, no place to stick a key in and turn the ignition. Next time you're in for service with your car, ask your service people if there's a way to bypass the key. You know, because you know there's a possibility there could be interference. Now, this isn't like she was 50 feet away from the car and she couldn't get to unlock. The key was inside the car with her and it wouldn't recognize the key. And it's not like she didn't keep trying to, to make it work hour after hour. So that is my what were they thinking for the week. So I understand that, Robin, you have a what were they thinking this week. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, mine mine goes out to Samsung, who uh, cost me at least three hours of uh, wasted time and frustration and uh, close to making my phone become a Frisbee. Um, I have the Galaxy S7. And what happened is that last night, um, just like Windows 10, it forced an update on me. And every time, well, about every other time they do an update, something breaks. Well, in this case, it killed the messaging system in the phone. So 30 minutes on the phone with Sprint and uh, another two hours at the Sprint store. And we finally got the got the issue fixed. And it was also interesting to learn that the... Galaxy S7, and the best way to, to find out about a project is talk to the people that repair the stuff. And he says that as the Galaxy S7, as they get older, they don't age very well. But even still, the worst part about it, and as Jay would know that uh, since he's known me for a while, I hate updates. Because my theory is, you know, if the bloody thing is working, don't try and fix it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and if you are going to fix it, beta test your fix well enough so you know it doesn't cause problems. Exactly. I mean, Microsoft is slowly learning that after they sent out the October surprise and it deleted people's files. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so for the folks at 
Samsung and the folks at Ford, what were you thinking? Exactly. There, there's a thing about don't try to improve it. Just make sure it works. Yeah. And on a side note, by the way, and, and this is what I tell people when they go phone shopping is, uh, and I was looking at some phones while I was down there. And first thing they told me was how great the, the processor is and the, and the camera, got to look at the camera and, you know, how this type of texting can happen and how the new type of text is SMS is going away. Apparently there's a new, I forget what it's called. I'd have to look it up. You know, so it's like Facebook. It can show that when somebody's active, you know, you'll know, like, I really want that. Yeah. Anyways, they're, they're telling you about all these wonderful features. Now, what I recommend is next time you go to any store and they're telling you all this, look at them straight in the, in the face and, and ask them very seriously, but how does it work as a phone? <laughs> you will get a kick out of their reaction. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the second question should be, will you force updates on me? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a given. Yeah, unfortunately, the, the Galaxy S7, I loved the phone when I first got it. And after two or three updates, especially now with a hands-free law, uh, it one of the requirements for me, because I used to drive a semi, was that it worked flawlessly with a Bluetooth, which it did, until about the third update. And then if you try to dial with it locked, it worked, but it but it'd stick to speakerphone. So to get it to work, you have to unlock the phone, you know, get it to your... Uh, I forget what they call the equivalent of a desktop. Then you can hands-free the Bluetooth. Yeah, you have to go hands-on in order to go to hands-free. Yeah, and the Sprint store tried to fix it. There was a Samsung rep that, that was there the one time. He did a factory reset, and all it did was download more updates, and he couldn't fix it. So, gotta love technology. Gotta love it. I'm just hoping that the... Uh, Motorola is coming out with the Razer again, an updated version with a folding uh, screen. I still have a Razer from Verizon. It still works, still registered. And, you know, it may not have all the bells and whistles, but every time I wanted to make a phone call, it didn't argue with me. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's funny. Um, you know, I went and visited my old German exchange student um, this summer in August, and uh, he was always one of these kids that wouldn't spend a dime if he didn't have to. <laughs> it's an amazingly frugal person. He still has an old Nokia, you know, not even a foot flown, you know, the, the old little Nokia is about this big, you know, <laughs> yeah. where you got to, in order to text, you have to do the three, you know, three times to get the C with the two key. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the razor. I think we'd get along pretty good because we're both pretty frugal. Yeah, yeah, Jens, Jens was, uh, yeah, it still had that old phone, and, and his his wife um, was laughing about how she, she keeps trying to get rid of it, hide it someplace, so he has to buy a new one. Oh my God. He's, like, he's like proud he still has this old tech phone, this stupid phone. You, you have not seen this, but in my pickup, of course, it can't work anymore because it's analog. I have mounted under the dash. The old type of type of mobile cell phone that has a handset. <laughs> I remember those. Yep, I remember the old. I remember the the original mobile phones where they weren't they weren't cell phones. They didn't have the pigtail. The, the original mobile phones where you had to dial an operator and have them, you know, an operator dialed for you. Yeah. And there's very few people that had them. Usually high-end real estate people had to be in their cars and do business at the same time. But, oh, well. So that's our what were you thinking for the week. Ford, roadside assistance, Samsung, technical services. You guys win it for the week. They get the turkey. Yep, yep. So anything you're thankful for with Thanksgiving being tomorrow? Um, well, I'm thankful because my cat just had diabetes and she's on insulin. I'm thankful she's still alive. Yeah, that's pretty tough. I imagine it's really fun to, uh, monitor cat's sugar and, and, and do diet, do uh, insulin injections and all that stuff for a cat. 
because we know how well cats love to be handled and, and all that stuff. Could be worse. You could have to give her a bath every time too. Yeah, mine actually doesn't mind the water too much, and she's pretty mellow. You know, but she'll look at you and kind of go, uh, "There better be tuna in this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm pretty thankful for you know Elizabeth and the poodles. Um, you know, it's great that we've managed. You know, she's managed to put up with me for. 39 years and 37 of those married. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the poodles and the cat and the ducks are all doing well. And, uh, you know, I'm healthy. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty easy to be thankful. But getting back to our veterans, I'm pretty thankful for our freedom and liberty in this country. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it's, um, I saw a piece of, uh, news today about the Chinese actually putting the protesters they've been arresting in Hong Kong on a train and shipping them out on a train. It looked like, you know, Hitler and the Jews loading into trains, you know, it's it just under gunpoint, basically loading all these people into trains to go to who knows where. You know, they, you know, that just, I see something like that. I go, you know, at least, um, you know, if you do get arrested while you're protesting here in America, you know, people pretty well know where you're going, whatever the local jail is, pretty sure you're going to get a arraignment hearing where you, you know, you'll find out what charges you're being put up against you. You're going to be allowed to, you know, have an attorney assigned if you want. You get rights like not having to speak, you know, those Miranda rights they read you. Um, it, it's a completely different situation where, you know, China, you know, they pick you up, you disappear. Well, that's two of my, two of my uh, uh, bitch and moans is number one is, uh, you know, I've asked several younger friends that I have about Memorial Day and they say, well, what is it and why should I care? And the other one was uh, on 9-11. There was a lot of people that called and complained to the TV stations because the Price is Right, right was preempted. Yeah. You know, because we just we just take the, like you say, we take our freedom for granted, and don't really realize, you know, that it, it can go away. And actually, it starts off in small bits and pieces. But you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know, the fact that we're free and have liberty and rights in this country is, is a pretty amazing and unique thing. Um, and people really do take that for granted. Although I do have to relate a story. You know, I was six years old, I think, when JFK was assassinated. And the one thing I remember was being angry that all my cartoons were preempted while they were showing um, the people walking through the rotunda uh, uh, during the viewing on national TV, <laughs> and that all the channels were showing that. Yeah, but you were six years old. But I was six years old. But I do remember, you know, that, you know Popeye and, and Bugs Bunny and stuff like that weren't, you know, the afternoon cartoons that I usually watched when I got home from school were not on. And it seemed like there was nothing but news on for days. Then I couldn't understand why my mom snapped at me when I met, happened to mention that to her. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, youth wasted on the youth. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, it is you know another thing that I really appreciate about this country is that concept of um, you know a capitalist society where. I own my own self. You know, I, I, nobody owns me. Nobody owns the fruits of my labor. If they want my time or something that I've, I've developed out of the fruits of my labor, they have to negotiate with me and compensate me for that in, in a free exchange. Did you make that agreement with the IRS? Well, I was going to say, other than taxation. <laughs> You know, which, which is the only place, which is why, you know, 
I always talk about limited government, limited taxation, because, you know, if it's not for some basic function of government that we all agree to, um, and for me, the most basic functions of government are the public safety functions and the court functions. You know, we, we put government together to protect our rights and liberties, which is you know, what the police and, and that apparatus does from force and fraud. And then we also put government together to have a court system for the enforcement of contracts, which is, you know, the basis of our capitalistic society is the fact that we honor contracts, which kind of gets me back to China and how they will just basically throw a contract out the window if they feel like it, because they don't care. You're, you're, you're a capitalist pig, non-Chinese, and, and if they want to cheat you, they will. <laughs> you can't, you know, when you're over there traveling, and I've traveled in China, you have to be careful about where you buy bottled water because they will reseal, fill bottles from taps and reseal them and sell them as bottled water. And it won't be good, and it won't be good tap water. You know, you can't drink out of the taps in a lot of towns in China. So, you know, you even have to know where you're getting your bottled water from because they'll even, you know, they'll cheat you even there. Um, but, you know, it amazes me how many people don't know their history um, or that aren't being taught that. And it's kind of, you know, you see that in some of these polling, you know, where if you poll the general population of America, it's like 70% like capitalism. There's a very small portion that will that will support socialism, but if you pull um, the youth, you know, uh, uh, you know, under 30 folks, they're actually leaning towards socialism and have a favorable view of it because in the last 30 years, our schools have stopped teaching good history, and kids don't learn about Joseph Stalin, Mao Zedong. You know, you know, they they don't, you know, read books, you know, that that would explain some of that. Um, you know, I've read a couple books um, from folks that managed to eventually escape China about, you know, going into labor uh, re-education camps and some of the issues they they had there under Mao, um, the Cultural Revolution where they where he attempted to completely wipe out all the minority cultures in, in China. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's really one of those things where, um, people really don't appreciate the, the freedoms we have, don't appreciate what capitalism does for us and a, and a free capitalistic society the liberties we have, you know, we, you know, we like to talk about multiculturalism and, and everything here in the U S and, and, um, populations that have been oppressed in the past, et cetera. People have no idea that in today's world, in a lot of countries, populations are systematically oppressed by governments and societies. You know, everyone's concerned about um, LBGTQ plus folks here in the U.S. And, and problems they have. They're stoning them to death in some of the fundamentalist countries, in, is, in Islamic countries. Um, you know, there is no real freedom of that. Um, you know, women still can't drive in some countries. You know, we worry, you know, about women's reproductive rights here in the U.S. Um, they have almost zero rights in some countries in the Middle East. You know, we should really appreciate what we have here and be thankful for, you know, the genius that is America. You know, who would have thought that over 200 years ago, a bunch of guys could put together a, a set of documents to establish a system of government that had never even been thought of before, you know, 
this idea that people should govern themselves, that there shouldn't be a monarch, you know, and that, you know, there should be certain rights that people retain and hold, and that the government itself gets its power from the people. And any powers not given to that government specifically in that constitution that they wrote over 200 years ago remain with the people. You know, so it's, you know, it was an amazing set of documents. And it'll be interesting to see if we can keep those freedoms and keep that liberty that this government is based on, this country is based on, as people are forgetting and, and wanting you know, for the sake of safety to take liberties away. You know, we're going to, you know, not let you pick, you know, what you can do as an adult. You know, I, I, I've i talked about this in the past before. When when you're a, a juvenile, you're, you're under the protection of adults and you don't have the capability of making um, informed consent to do stupid things. <laughs> But there's so many people that are are so willing right now to throw liberties away because they want to regulate stupidity or regulate people's choice. You know, you see it today with this vaping crisis where people want to ban flavored vapes and all that stuff. You know, and ban things in general. You know, people want to... um, write laws that don't have due process in them because they're worried about gun violence, you know, and they're willing to give up due process to protect themselves. It's, you know, it's a slippery slope when you start doing that. We have to resist that urge. Are you trying to jump in, Robin? Um, I was going to add something. Yeah. Um, it just kind of, goes along, I guess, in a way with the Thanksgiving theme, and I was just thinking that if you're if you're inviting anybody to Thanksgiving dinner and they refer to it as Indigenous People's Day, tell them they can't join you for dinner. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, we won't go there. <laughs> you know, it, it's fascinating though because. Um, the story of, of the pilgrims is also a story of a um, community that was originally set up to, to share a property and share the, the um, fruits of everybody's labor. And it turned out that it was a miserable failure in that shared system of, of wealth and property and, and labor. And when they chose to to change the system to where people could keep uh, the fruits of their own labor, they suddenly started having much more bountiful harvest and, and flourishing as a, as a colony. And ultimately, um, you know, it was bountiful enough that they decided to give thanks, you know, that this whole concept of Thanksgiving is based on, um, you know, the story has been much twisted over the years, but if you, the actual journal uh, from the governor of the colony speaks to all this. Um, and it was that change from a basically a communist socialistic type style of uh, property rights to going back to a more capitalistic personal property rights side of thing that led to the prosperity that allowed them to have the first Thanksgiving. So as you're giving thanks, um, think about the fact that private property rights is one of the reasons why we have such a bountiful country and why we have, you know, the ability to go into a store and buy, you know, whatever size turkey you want, and whether it's free range or free range organic or just just Butterball or the the Kroger brand. you know, they're all there in, the, in that big case full of turkeys. And even you could buy just turkey breast off to the side, you know, if you're a small family and that's all you like or something. You know, it's all that choice is there. 
because of capitalism. You know, look at the choices that are available to the people of Venezuela right now in their grocery stores. Remember the choices that were available to the people of Russia and the Soviet Union before the fall of the, the, the Berlin Wall. You know, the choices for the people in China until they started this, this foray into partial capitalism were just as limited. Look at the choices for the people in North Korea. And then walk into a Fred Meyer or a Safeway or an Albertsons here in Oregon or you know whatever Kroger or Acme food store you know across the country and look at that bounty and the and the wide variety of choice that's available driven by the consumer. I mean, organic sections in grocery stores weren't hardly anything 20 years ago, but consumers started, you know, wanting it and then started being willing to pay even a premium on those products. And what happens? The free market makes that product available to you. I'm really thankful for our system of government in this country. I'm really thankful for our free market economy. Both of those provide a bounty that has allowed me to have four standard poodles, you know, my ducks, you know, a, a lovely house, you know, and, and a life with, with Elizabeth for the last 39 years, and, you know, a cat that rules us all. And that wouldn't be there if it weren't for a bunch of, you know, guys that sat around and first said, we don't like being ruled by somebody that was just declared to, you know, be able to rule us by divine right and tax us without representation and fought a war for their freedom. And at the same time, had the forethought to write a constitution that embodied the idea of individual rights being held, you know, as inalienable from birth. And there's one more. What's that? The right that somebody like you has is able to be a representative of the people. Yes. Our representative Republican form of government. We are not a democracy no matter how many times it gets used in the press. We're a representative republic. There's a reason for it. It's part of what controls the growth of the size and power of government it is the fact that we are a representative republic. Pure democracies grow out of control. You know, once people figure out that by a pure democracy, you can start voting yourself the largesse of the treasury um, <laughs> just by having a simple majority, things get out of hand pretty quick. So, well, we're getting pretty close to the end of the show here. Sorry no one called in to tell us what they were thankful for here on the day before Thanksgiving. But I appreciate folks for listening. That's the other thing I'm thankful for is we've actually got a growing uh, audience here on the Bose Nose Show. So many ways to listen to us on KRBN Internet News Talk Radio Facebook, through uh, iTunes and uh, all sorts of places. And I just really want to thank our audience. I want to thank Robin for producing this show for free. Um, over the last several years and, uh, you know, being the technical person behind the scenes that makes sure, you know, not only do I go out to blog talk, I'm out to Facebook Live, we've got the video, we got audio. Um, when I get a guest, you make sure that everything works with the guest, you know, call-in numbers and everything else. So I want to appreciate Robin and the audience here today as we go into Thanksgiving I just want to thank you for listening. We'll be back next week 
it will be December, and we're going to be, uh, you know, working towards the end of the year there, and which means it's going to be crazy time with the Board of Commissioners trying to wrap a whole bunch of stuff up before we turn the calendar over and stop uh, board meetings for the holidays. So thank you for listening. Hope you have a great turkey day tomorrow. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Oh, beautiful.